Hello, listeners of In Conversation. Today I am over the moon to welcome Steve Wollenhouse, the CEO at Weatherology. If you've somehow been living under a rock or something and, and haven't seen him on LinkedIn posting awesome content, he is, as I said, CEO of Weatherology, podcast host, motivational speaker, and all round great mind. So, Steve, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's a pleasure, Sam. How are you doing, by the way? I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Good. I wanted to, one of the things I did really want to ask you today, and I used to ask my guests this question quite a lot before uh, COVID, and that was, what is a typical day like for you? We were obviously just talking uh, before the recording about where you're living and, and the beautiful setting you're in now. What's a typical day like for you as a CEO of Weatherology and someone posting awesome content so regularly? Well, I get up, I'm usually up at 3.30 every day and, uh, and I start my day with some movement, which is critically important and catch up on some things. And then I usually write 45 minutes, an hour every day and uh, catch up on some more things and, you know, dive into some social media things. As you know, managing that is a, a big responsibility, but I personally believe, Sam, it's a critical part of anybody's uh, brand strategy today. You know, if you're a CEO, a business leader, or somebody that has aspirations, obviously, like you're doing, leveraging podcasting, social media to your advantage. These tools are incredibly useful and beneficial. And I think for a lot of people, there's this negative connotation uh, synonymous with too much time, it's not good for you, which is true. But if you're using these things like you and I are for a positive purpose to elevate your brand or your business, then I would say it's a remarkable thing. I've been in the broadcast advertising business for decades. And the alternative in the past was expensive radio, TV, newsprint advertising. And now with a little imagination, a camera and a personality, you can do all these incredible things. And so I'm all in especially on LinkedIn. You and I both get it. I mean, you and I both understand the impact of that platform, you know, whereas so many other platforms tend to gravitate in the direction of people, you know, lamenting and spewing their vitriol of hatred. LinkedIn is a very civil place for intelligent people to engage with one another. And the average income 75,000 or more a year. So you're dealing with highly educated, successful people that are there to be respectful for the most part. And the bullies get dismissed quickly. You know, and I'm one of the police that make sure of that. Like if anybody picks on the people that come and contribute to my content and I encourage them, put yourself out there and I keep an eye on it. And if I see somebody come around and say something disrespectful, I pounce on it and usually do it privately, you know, so I don't embarrass anybody, but I'll say, hey, you know, that wasn't really tasteful in my opinion. Let me give you some unsolicited advice. In the future, when you reach out to somebody on a post, be, be nice, be kind, be supportive. And you'll be surprised at how far that goes. So that's my little dissertation for today. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> no, no worries. <laughs> Perfect little lesson on, on being a good LinkedIn citizen. So I'm sure there's people that will value that. I also I kind of wanted to dive into your time building up weatherology. What was the kind of process like taking it from, from startup to where it is today? Well, that, that's a great question, Sam. And I have that conversation with a lot of people because a lot of people believe that to start a business, you got to be all in, take a massive risk and throw caution to the wind. And that's not true. Uh, that's one way to do it. But there's another way, which is the way I did it, because I'm a little more conservative. I methodically planned out 
what I wanted to do while I was gainfully employed in TV, making good money. And I slowly and pragmatically started to put the foundation in place, which was a seven-year process. And I built up my accounts because I wanted sales to drive the revenue, not resources from outside investors. I'm not a big fan of that. And to this day, we own 100% of our business and I get to delegate that uh, equity accordingly to the people that matter most on my team. And so loyalty, uh, corporate culture, all these things that people talk about, we actually live here. And I can tell you firsthand, the hard way, which is the really hard way in business, the way I did it, fund it yourself, the dividends long-term are irreplaceable because I don't have jackasses involved in my business with big egos that come in just because they have money and they want to get a massive return quickly. And they start pushing people around and interfering with the ideas and creativity we have. So that's my preference. But your preference may be different, and there's nothing wrong with going getting investors. I'm just not personally a big fan because I have so many people reach out to me, should have taken your advice, Steve. I brought some investors in, not a good fit. Um, they're really putting pressure on us to perform at a level we're not ready to perform at, and it's contaminating our progress. So that's just my two cents, Sam. Yeah. You mentioned ego there, which is a really interesting point, and how for some businesses, whether it's the founder, the CEO, or the investors in the business, ego can get in the way. What's your experience been like, both with putting your ego aside in your own business and seeing other people's startups? How important is kind of putting the ego aside to grow them? Well, it's huge. I mean, I, I, mean, I started this when I was 21. I don't know how old you are, but you're pretty 21. young. Yeah. So when I was your age, I started this business. And congratulations to you for being bold enough to go off and do this stuff at this age because you know you're focused on the right stuff you don't want to wake up in your 40s and say gee i wish i would have done that you know and uh, the lessons that i learned i was probably not as mild-mannered as you are at your age <laughs> my son is 22 and he's very six seven just poised and calm and i was super intense as you can tell i'm 55 and people dude where do you get your energy from you know and i've been just like this you know i'm just super intense and driven you know so my gift was building the business and driving the business and sleepless nights and doing what was required. But when it came to managing people, I sucked in my early twenties because I had no patience and I had a perfectionist mentality and my expectations of people were unrealistic. So I was tough to work for. And you'll find with a lot of CEOs, they may, they continue to be tough to work for their whole life because they never have the epiphanies that I've had. I've lost both parents. You know, I've been through some, some twists and turns, which caused humility, uh, build businesses up, you know, hit a, hit a plateau and then build it back up even more. And uh, over the course of those three decades, I've really started to focus primarily on people and elevating people and doing very little and focusing more on helping people become the best they can be so they can do all the hard work for me. And um, that liberates me to do what I love to do, which is work out, read, take care of myself. I spend four or five hours a day focused on my mental and physical health. And uh, I've seen, you know, how do you do that? You know, I'm answering emails. Well, if you let go, trust people and hire competent people, you too can liberate yourself from the shackles of having to do everything. And I've heard some very prominent people on this platform. I mean, prominent people that you probably know and love. And I pay attention to the little details. Like I need to be involved in every little aspect of the business. Really? I don't think you do. I, I think you should be involved 
in the things that you do well and leave people alone and let them execute without your involvement, assuming you hired good people that you trust and that have a reliable track record of performing at a high level. So that's just, you know, that's been my experience. And that's why today my focus is on helping people understand what leadership is really about, which is contrary to the advice I think we get from so many people today, which is crush it, grind it 10 times this, you know, really, is that necessary? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not real interested in 10 timesing everything in my life with the exception of the things that matter most, my health. Um, and maybe 10 times is over, you know, like 10 times my income. Is that really necessary at the expense of losing your family, losing your relationships, forfeiting your health? And I see it all the time. And I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but we have to be very careful about the advice we take because oftentimes these fashionable ideas that are packaged very nicely, um, when you peel back the bow and the ribbon and look at the box, you'll find that the substance is often lacking. And that's um, my inquisitive nature. And so I try to do things based on what I've learned, the mistakes that I've made and the advice I'm offering is based on uh, ideas that I've learned over time that work, you know? Yeah. There's a huge amount of business now. there. So thank you so much for that wisdom. I, I'm sure it's extremely useful for people early on in their journey and, and young entrepreneurs like myself and people that have like you've been in, in the business for 30 years. I'm sure that's valuable for, for both kinds of people. It's actually got me thinking. You've, you mentioned you've been in, in the business for 30 odd years. Are there certain things or what's the kind of most important thing you think you've learned or acquired from having that 30 year experience that you can't really get from anywhere else? You can't get it without actually being in the business and, and having that real experience. Well, I mean, I, I really think that in business, there's no substitute for success over a long period of time and the lessons that you learn as a product of that. There's a lot of people peddling advice on leadership and business, which, you know, just to be candid with you, you have to be a little trepidatious because, you know, if somebody's a corporate dropout and got frustrated with their job and now they want to be a coach, I mean, the average coach makes 55 to 100,000 bucks a year. And I'm not trying to be conceited, but I mean, if that's your ultimate ambition financially, then that's okay you know, then that advice might be suitable. But has that person ever done the thing that you're asking them to teach them to teach you? Because that's what I oftentimes find is the case. There's not all that many people out there that have, and I'm not out there selling, um, you know, I'm not out there selling any, sorry about that, Sam, I lost you momentarily. Um, I'm not out there selling leadership advice or anything. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm offering what I have to share and uh, the goodwill that creates for my business is the benefit. So, but um, I, I think that the lessons that you learn, again, like I learned with leadership and how to work with people, those to me have been the most valuable because I've seen the evolution of that and the impact it has on the organization and how much more efficiently things run when you have committed long-term people that have completely bought into the family uh, structure that we've created and how much time that provides you with uh, as a business person to focus on the things that I think most entrepreneurs just don't and can't because they're preoccupied trying to stay afloat every day, reaching for the life preserver. And I'm out here walking this land, thinking, innovating, and it's no surprise that 
we're the leading company in the world at what we do for a small company. Our biggest competitor is IBM, the weather channel. And we keep them up at night every single night because they're always scrambling, trying to figure out how we do the things that we do. And it's because I get to imagine, create, innovate, and remarkable people that take that idea and execute with the same level of enthusiasm because they've learned to trust me. Like right now, we're flourishing during this difficult time and it's difficult to see so many people struggle, but we've been through six economic recessions, flourished through every one because we see the landmines coming before you step on them. And so we saw this coming, believe it or not, uh, 12 years ago when we first went digital and fully automated our operation, well before most people did, even before Amazon did. Um, we had people working remotely 30 years ago. I started working remotely 32 years ago. So having meetings and working from remote locations, this has been something we've done for decades. So was it this particular event we anticipated? No, but we did anticipate something catastrophic that could conceivably flip everything upside down. And so, you know, those are the lessons that you learn and you learn to finesse through things and not be reacting all the time. So many people react. They go through life reacting to everything. And my preference is to be prepared. And uh, to do that, you always have to be thinking. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And whilst you've, you've been building up this business and you've got it to the stage where you are now, obviously working remotely, you're also devoted to improving or helping people improve their quality of life. And a lot of that comes through your content that I've seen on LinkedIn, which is obviously how we connected. What kind of inspired that, um, that action for you? Because it would be very easy for someone like you to, to just sit around at home and, and not really focus on helping others and, and just enjoy what you've got for yourself. But what inspired you to actually take the time out of your day to help other people improve the quality of their life? Well, what a, First of all, what a brilliant question, Sam, because ironically, you just summarized uh, the thought process <laughs> that I had three years ago when I started this journey. I'm not kidding you. I mean, I had been kind of semi-retired for a number of years. I wasn't doing the on-air weather broadcasting anymore, focused strictly on being a CEO, which in my case is hands-off and giving people the resources and the leadership mentor coaching support they need. And so I was focused on, maybe I'll go hang out in the Maldives for a couple of months and relax and work out and focus on my health and do my own thing because I deserved it. Well, then my dad passed away. Then my mom passed away. And I started to have this epiphany that, you know, there's much more to life and I got to give. I mean, that's part of the evolution of growing when you get to the 1% physically and financially, and you're starting to look around and say, is this all there is? And I've been committed to health. So I've been happy my whole life. That wasn't the issue. Like so many people I know that get to those places and say, I'm still empty. I'm still not happy. I wasn't feeling that, but I was feeling as if I needed to give because that's the final piece of the puzzle, in my opinion. When you get to a point in your 50s like I'm at, where you say, you know what, it's time to give back and help people like you, you know, get to where you want to be. And the fulfillment and satisfaction I get for, the, for that, uh, it's hard to explain. And, and people are somewhat cynical. And sometimes people will, come on, it's the money. It's, no, it's not the money. And I can promise you, I know what I'm talking about because I started with nothing and I financed my business by myself. I used to walk to work every day and uh, paint buildings that I lived in to live there for free while I built my business. I did it all. And then I built it up and then you have a divorce and some setbacks and some humility 
and then you bounce back 10 times bigger. So the luxury that I have is I've experienced that. And through that, you get humility, compassion, empathy, and those things that we talk about. But I question how many people really understand. And so for me, the journey I'm on right now is to give back. And ironically, it all comes back in marvelous ways. I meet people like you, and I hear so many stories of people that reach out to me saying what you said on that podcast or what you said in your book or what you said in your podcast made all the difference in the world. And I'm telling you, that's where the real fulfillment in life is. People that go through life hoarding shit, you know, like cars and boats and houses and experiences just for themselves. It's a lonely, empty, sad existence. And I can promise you I've met more people than I haven't that get to the point where they've had the financial success most people aspire for and they are sad, pathetic, empty people. I've had grown men that are billionaires cry in my arms. They're so broken. I don't have a relationship with my kids. My kids think I suck. I was a horrible father. I was never around. All I did is work. Now I'm on my third marriage and my wife hates me and wants to get a divorce. I'm 30 pounds overweight. My heart's ready to blow up because I have so much stress. And I'm just telling you, and you can, uh, it's money. And I've had people, well, it's crushing, grinding it, make money. Go right ahead. And even though I won't be here, reach out to Sam when he's doing it the right way and ask him when he's your age, you know, was that advice, you know, sound or not? And I'm telling you, man, you got to set yourself up to live a life that takes into consideration the long-term implications of every decision that you make. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And you've kind of given in your answer, the answer to what I wanted to ask to finish this, which was, I mean, how would you define success? Do you think you could define success in one word? Is that something, is that possible for you or is it a bunch of things? You know, for me, I mean, that's, that's what the anatomy of success, my book and my podcast is all about. Defining success on your terms is the first chapter of the book. And what I talk about is how it's important for each of us to really sit down and carefully contemplate what success means to us. For me, it's based on what I call the four tenets of equanimity. Health is the foundation of that. And that's mental and physical health, making that a priority. Ever since I was 16, I used to kickbox professionally. I made health a top priority. And I work out seven days a week and have since I was 16 years old. And uh, I'm on vacation and I work out with intensity every single day because that's a really important part of it. Uh, intimate relationships, whatever that may look like for you. Um, super important. All the research shows that healthy, intimate relationships elevate our happiness on a daily basis. And the operative word there is healthy not the dysfunctional, disruptive kind, but the healthy kind. Uh, quality relationships with family and friends. You know, good, core, quality, solid friends. I spent an hour and a half with one of my good college buddies on the phone last night. Those kind of friends that have been with you through everything. And then um, satisfying work. And there's a lot of research out there where, you know, people say work isn't that important. You know, I disagree. I think work's very important because we all want to make a good living, have a great quality of life. So you may as well do something you really like that rewards you not only financially, but with the time to spend your time like you want to spend it. And, um, you know, I still work on the weekends, Sam, because work doesn't seem like work to me ever. I might yeah. spend six, seven hours on a weekend and, oh, you got to relax. It's like, I, I'm sorry, but don't tell me how to relax. I'm having fun. <laughs> you know, shooting my videos, doing what I love to do. And if you want to watch Netflix and uh, do whatever you want to do, that's your prerogative. But I love what I do. 
And so I'm not going to apologize for the fact that I work on the weekends because I enjoy it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, Steve, thank you so much for, for giving us that advice and, and your awesome input. It's been great listening to your insights over the last 15, 20 minutes or so. Where's the best place for people to check you out if they'd like to check out more of your, your content, maybe your podcast, your book? Well, go to weatherology, which is all one word, dot com. And then you can go to slash Steve and you'll find my personal page, link to the podcast, to the book. And then on the top of the page, links to LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and grab the uh, weatherology free mobile app. Um, we have audio in the United States, so it's the only audio weather app in the world that takes real voices, translates text, and we have international weather for you folks overseas, but uh, the audio piece isn't quite available yet. We'll be building that out over time in different languages, So, but uh, we're getting a lot of feedback. The app was just released, and I hope uh, people take advantage of it. It's free. Awesome. I'll definitely link that in the show notes below. Steve, it's been awesome chatting you today. Thank you very much for your time. All right. Take care, Sam. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of In Conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please feel free to leave a five-star rating on your podcast provider. And if you are looking to build your personal brand or simply want some more free content on personal branding, head over to thatpersonalbrandingguy.com. That's thatpersonalbrandingguy.com. There's loads of great content over there and some information on how I can help you.